You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Can you come with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24? That's where we've been looking at. We'll start from there and see how the Lord will help us. Hallelujah. Luke 24. And we'll read from verse 44 to 53. And he reads, Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets, and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him, and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. Come with me to Isaiah 61, please. We'll read from verse 1 to 3. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. May the Lord bless his word in Jesus' name. Okay, we have here in Luke 24, the final, you know, before our Lord Jesus, you know, returned to heaven, after he had accomplished his ministry and his work here on earth. And one of the things he says there is that he reminded them or he retreated to them. He said, these are the words I spoke to you while I was still with you. We have spent enough time looking at those words and reminding ourselves that just as words were spoken to them and they didn't take note of it and we don't understand why. I don't know if anybody has really grasped why the apostles would not know that this is what Jesus said. Why didn't they remember? 
I don't know if he has, you know, if you have fully comprehended how come that Peter will be marveling that Jesus, you know, rose from the dead when he kept saying it to them, teaching them, proclaiming it to them, but somehow they didn't hear. Okay, so we've looked at it here. Jesus is retreating it, and then he says, "This is what was written." He says that all must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. But the good news we have there is for the five says, and he opened their understanding that they might do what? Comprehend the scriptures. And this is one thing that we can take to the Lord in prayer. Every time you're doing your personal Bible study or you come to church or you're listening, ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, open my understanding. Praise the Lord. Open my understanding. Let me comprehend. Let me hear what the Spirit is saying. Because you see, the word of God is not like any other literature. The word of God is living. It's a lively book. It's a living book. So the letters, even though they are printed on paper, are not actually, they are on paper to be transmitted into the hearts of men. Praise the Lord. So you don't get the full weight of the word of God if you read it just as a book. Or if you read it just as something written. No. It is alive, it is quick, it is powerful. Praise the Lord. The intent is to interact with you. And that's why we saw here, it says he opened their understanding so that they can comprehend. It's not just logos to them, it became a rema. In fact, even what Jesus said concerning his uh, suffering, death, burial, and resurrection, it wasn't even logos, because logos you remember. But you may not have a revelation or the application. So they didn't even have a logos of it. Praise God. But the thing there is this. We must constantly form it as you know, part of our Christian you know, culture to always ask the Lord to speak to us. Even though I'm reading it, Lord, tell me what your word is saying. Praise the Lord, somebody. So verse 6 says, then he said to them, thus it is written and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Now here he also, verse 45 says, he opened the understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then 46 and 47 tells us what the scriptures were saying or is saying. So the scriptures are the records, the prophecies of Christ's life. And then they record the life being lived out before us. Praise God. So I was listening to a preacher and he was saying that to the Jews, you know, most of the Jews, the real Jews, the children of Israel now, they have not come to believe in Jesus. A larger percentage of them are still, you know, holding on to their Jewish, you know, Judaism. Now, but he said that what they have to understand is that their Messiah, according to them, they are still waiting for their Messiah to come. Okay. But he said, if they search their scriptures, they will know that all the prophecies concerning their Messiah have been fulfilled in Christ Jesus. So they can't be waiting for any other Messiah because there are some things that the Messiah must meet and must accomplish that are no longer there. Number one, they don't have the sacrifices being offered at the temple again. Praise the Lord. So a lot of things that were written, every one of them, Jesus Christ our Lord fulfilled it in his first coming. Okay? So he said, thus it was written and it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Now the second part says, 
and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. I'd like us to look at, um, there's a translation that captures this well. I think it's, uh, can we see the living Bible, please? 46 and 47. Okay. It's not this one in particular, but this translation puts it this way. It says, thus it was written, or it is written, 46, that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. Then 47 says, thus it was also written, if you find it, please, you can put it on the screen, that repentance and remission. He said, this written and performance were for the two. So Christ came for a purpose, and that purpose is that repentance and remission of sins should be what? Preached in his name. Okay? That this message, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached. And then he commissioned them and said to them, you are witnesses of these things. And now I am sending you, I'm commissioning you to go and preach and declare this message to the ends of the earth. But before we leave there, look at something that happened there. For it says, you are witnesses of these things. Then 49 added and says, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. What's he saying? To witness these things, we won't witness it in our power. Praise the Lord. We won't witness it in our power. We're going to witness it with the help of the Holy Spirit. Okay? In the regular world now, there are some scenarios where if you become a witness to, you will not be able to live a normal life again. You know that. They put you, some of them, depending on what it is, some they put you in protective custody. They put you in a witness protection, you know, a scheme where... There are security men guarding you or people making sure that you're in health, your soundness of mind. Why? Because the witness you're to bear is too important to be left, you know, in your situation. Just like, you know, sometimes somebody might be a witness to a case and the person he's supposed to testify against might be a very wealthy man. And then there's a way poverty will wire the man. When he looks at the wealthy man, he thinks of the favor that he can grant him if he wavers. I get what I'm saying. So, such cases, the witness is protected, is put in a place where he's stable. Now, what Jesus said there is this. The work that you're going to do, following my death and resurrection, you won't be left alone. I'm going to help you. Praise the Lord. God himself will see you through. And with that, I think you and I can make it. Somebody say, I can be a successful witness. In the name of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Okay, so, but where we're going this morning is the last part now from 50. So he led them out as far as Bethany and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. 52, let's read 52 together. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with what? With great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Now, what I want us to meditate and look at this morning and, you know, interrogate ourselves concerning is this. This state that the disciples attained here, I realized from the scriptures that it's supposed to be a permanent state for those who believe in Jesus. Praise the Lord. For those who are witnesses to his suffering, his death, and his resurrection. For those who are witnesses that this Jesus, whom we have seen go this way. Some translations say, an angel appeared and said, this Jesus that you see go the same way he's going to what? Come back. There is an expectation 
or an endowment given to you and I of great joy. Help me look at your neighbor and see if you can sense great joy in their faces. You see, 53 says, and we're continually in the temple doing what? Praising and what? Continually means nonstop. This became their status. Great joy. Continually in the temple. Now, at the time they're writing, you see, the Holy Ghost had not come. But since the Holy Ghost came, you don't need to go to the temple to have a temple. Your body has become what? The temple of the living God. So what this scripture is saying is that we that are witnesses, there is a default position we are to maintain. And that default position is a position of great joy, praise the Lord. And continually, not when we are in the mood, thank God this evening the church has, you know, has a program called Praise Night. And we're going to come and be excited and sing and dance in God's presence. I hope you'll be there. Help me ask your neighbor, are you going to come? Make sure you do. That's the minimum, okay? Beyond that, this is where we should live, a place of permanent joy. Hallelujah. You know, I'm excited with what we are going to discuss because I'm also looking for the solution. Praise the Lord. What we are sharing today, I'm speaking to myself as well. You know, I think it was last Sunday or two Sundays ago that, and we sang the song again today, You're my treasure, my priority. And I was asking myself, Ikenna, is God really your treasure and your priority? Because you see, I find in the scriptures things that are here and there that if you miss them, you miss everything. So it puts here that this was what they returned to Jerusalem with, with great joy. And for those who don't know, in the Father's church, the workers, those who labor, who you know, clean the auditorium, you know, do the ushering, do the uh, traffic control, you know, do all kinds of things. We call ourselves the what? Joy force. Why are we the joy force? We are the joy force. The revelation God gave us for that name is that, you see, there is a joy that you discover in me. It will push you to service. Is someone hearing me? There is a joy that when you find in me, when you find in God, you will ask yourself, how may I serve him? It's automatic. You can't have that joy and dust off your clothes after service and go home. And then come next Sunday and then dust off your clothes and go home. No. If you have that joy, you're going to say, how may I serve this God in this place? Praise the Lord, somebody. But that's not where we're going. It's beyond that. So it records here that they went with a great joy. Now, Paul the Apostle writing to us in Philippians 4, verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, this is a command. It's not a suggestion. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. And I realize that in the scriptures, in the gospels in particular, at the beginning, you find joy being announced to us. In Matthew 2.10, you may put it on the screen. The wise men... When they started seeking for Jesus, and at a point, they lost, you know, the track when they entered into the house of Herod to make inquiries. Matthew 2.10, please. When they came out, the Bible says they saw the star, and what happened? They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. At the beginning of the Gospels, we see that anybody who was connected to what was happening, there was 
instant, there was an automatic flow of great joy. Praise the Lord. We, we can also look at Luke 2.10 and see what the angel announced to the shepherds. He says, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, what do I do? He says, I bring you on good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. So this product that we have in Christ at the commencement was introduced with what? With great joy. And we see at the finish of his work, what are we find there? Great joy as well. Great joy. Tremendous joy. Now, I sense that joy, you know, in my heart, exceeding joy in my life, is a measure of my spiritual health. I was going to make a mistake, but I had to check it out luckily before I came. I, I was going to say that it's a symptom or a sign until I just Googled and I saw that symptoms and signs are different. Now, I learned concerning bodily health, you know. I saw that symptoms is what you feel that makes you go to the hospital and say to the doctor, I'm not okay. The doctor doesn't feel the symptom. You are the one that will explain to the doctor the symptoms you feel. So I was thinking that this thing that we're looking at is a symptom, but I'm realizing it isn't. It is a sign because they said the sign is what the doctor finds out that establishes a condition. So symptoms are like, you know, you're having a headache. There is no way the doctor would know you're having a headache. Praise the Lord. Symptoms are like you're not sleeping or you're losing weight. You know, you don't understand why you're losing weight. Those are symptoms. But a sign is the one that the doctor sees. So the doctor now tests you and sees that your blood pressure is higher than normal automatically the doctor knows that this is what an abnormal reading on his uh, instrument okay a sign is what the doctor sees when he does a test okay so symptoms are what you pick up and say ah, i'm feeling like this and you go and sit in front of a doctor the doctor hears your symptoms and checks for signs to establish what exactly is wrong so that he can bring now i'm saying here that I'm realizing from scripture now, I'm coming as a doctor, okay? I'm realizing from scripture now that there's a sign I see of serious ill health amongst the Christian populace. And it's the sign of no joy. Are you with me? You see, the Bible is, is so clear. Our Lord Jesus, in several of his parables, simplified a lot of things so that children will be able to understand the kingdom. In Matthew 13, 44, please, you can put it on the screen for us. We'll read down, but let's take this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. Hold on. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and what? And what is the next thing we see? For joy. Let's stop there. For joy. You see, the Bible even speaking, God's speaking to us, says God loves a cheerful giver. You know, as an organization that is here on earth, because we are on earth, we touch earth. There are some things that are earthly that we just have to grapple with. But you see, God's kingdom is actually a kingdom, you know, that is out of this world. Jesus said to, you know, Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If everything were to be perfect, when is offering time or when is whatever time, if there is no joy in your heart, you're allowed to not hit the, the bank account. Are you with me? 
That's if you're not giving with joy, that money you're bringing, it won't go. I'm trying to say now, God doesn't, hallelujah, Holy Spirit help. The Bible says God loves what? When he spoke to the nation of Israel in Exodus, he said, whosoever will offer what? Willingly, let them bring. In the atmosphere of God, any giving that is not from the heart, that is with joy, God does not take it. But you see, where men are, even if you're crying and you make the transfer, it will enter. Once the banks, you know, agree, it will enter. Am I right? If you put it in that envelope and drop it in the basket, it will enter. But in the economy of God, no alert has hit your account. You know why? Because God does not want to be worshipped grudgingly. He's too beautiful for that. He's too much of a royalty for that. You see, there are some things you read in the scriptures and it must wake you up. The Bible telling us about Nehemiah. Nehemiah was before the king. He was a king's cupbearer. And the king said to Nehemiah, there's something wrong with you. Something wrong. Your countenance is down. And the Bible records that the king said, you have never been like this in my presence. You know why? It's actually illegal to be in the presence of the king without excitement. That is a human king. It can end you a death sentence. You'll come into the presence of the king and you're not joyful. You're not excited. Do you want to overthrow him? What is your plan? Praise the Lord. You know, so he said, this is nothing but sorrow of heart. He said, you must be sick because it's not normal that you be in the presence of, you know, this is a, a king, whatever, Ahasuerus or one of them, and not be excited. Now, what about the king of all kings? Anytime I'm not overflowing in joy, I need help. Praise the Lord. So the apostle Paul says to us in that Philippians 4, 4, he says, I say to you, okay, we found the scripture. It says, and it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of the king of uh, Artaxerxes, you know, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Did the wine pour away? Was there a problem with the wine? Now, and I'd never been sad in his presence before. Thank you, God. Therefore, the king said to me, why is your face sad since you're not sick? So, absence of joy is a sign of what? Sickness. That's what the king says. That's what they found out here. That's what they're telling us here. Absence of joy. You know why? Because the kingdom we have, it says the kingdom is like treasure in a field which a man found and hid it. And for joy, imagine going to sell all that you have with joy. What will make you do that? Because of the value. Of what you're going to get after you sell all that you have. Praise the Lord. Children of God, I trust the Holy Spirit to help us today. If you go down, let's read 45 and 46 so, so we just finish that part. It says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Who when he had found one pearl of great price, what did he do? He went and sold all that he had and bought it. While he was selling all that he had, was he crying? He was excited. Why? He had seen something that superseded every other thing he had. He had found a good deal. Praise the Lord, somebody. 
That is what the Bible is trying to say to us. That this joy is an automatic, is a natural outflow of the knowledge of whose you are. Of what you have. Of what you are involved in. Of who your captain is. I remember those days we were watching soccer. And then maybe the Nigerian team is just playing and they're not playing too good. There are players that are supporters, you know, will be wondering why hasn't the coach brought in so-so person? The moment there's an indicator that they're making a change and so-so person is coming in, what happens? Has he scored? Has he played? Just that he's entering the match, there's jubilation. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? It's because you have put confidence in the ability of that individual to change the tone of the game. Now, that is to somebody who is saying, but what am I to rejoice about? When you know who your captain is, that he has never lost a battle. He never comes late. He's the resurrection and he's alive. Are you with me? He's the champion of the host above. When you know who your Jesus is, at the thought of him, you on your own, without music, you start clapping and shouting. When you know that they buried him, but instead of becoming dead body, he became a seed and rose again. You will know that there is no stopping this Jesus. And because he is for you, who can, who then can be against you? Is somebody getting it? This joy we're talking about, we don't need instruments to bring it. We need meditation. We need thinking. We need contemplation. Praise the Lord. So I was saying, it's supposed to be automatic. It's supposed to be natural. And I said to myself, where am I missing it? Let's take an instance now. Why is it that something happens and then you're so angry? You're furious. You know, like the story, I think it was Mamichi that told me the story of a man that was on the plane and just looking for people's trouble. And he really looked for this lady's trouble. And then about the time the plane was about to take off, he said to the lady, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And the lady said, please leave me alone, leave me alone. I'm mad, I'm mad. She thinking that the guy was normal. And the guy who was apologizing, if you're mad, jump out of the window. Because if you're mad, that's the type of thing a mad person should do. Even though he himself was madder, you understand? Okay, but why do we get mad? Why do things throw us off so much when we have Jesus? I don't know if someone is hearing me this morning. Are you a Christian? Do you believe in God? Do you believe that Jesus died for you? Do you believe that this resurrection we celebrated, that they actually crucified him, pierced his side, you know, with despair, buried him, sealed the tomb, made it, you know, secure with God, and they couldn't stop him from rising on the third day, just as they said. And that Jesus said to you, 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 you are my witnesses. You know what that means. Have you run into some people who are in, unquote, the corridors of power in Nigeria? There is a mocking laugh. They laugh at everything you say. This is this. They just laugh. Because somehow they know that they are connected. And with their connection, just anything. You know, you know recently, um, for those of us that are following what is happening, Recently, they found that um, Tinubu has a um, Guinean uh, citizenship, right? Now, do you know the job of DSS? Do you know that's part of what they should have known? Are you telling me they didn't know that? 
that some David whom then he knows more than this is. I get what I'm saying. There's a connection you have. All things become possible for you. That's what the Christian has. You have access to a God who says to you, with me, nothing shall be impossible. How can you be downcast? Why shouldn't you be overflowing with joy? Matter said to him, oh, master, master, we love you. We dearly love you. We'll still love you anyhow. But master, if you had been here, oh, my brother would not have died. Jesus looked at her and said, Martha, I am what? The resurrection and the life. How can you cry when you have me? How can you be thinking that? I am. I don't come late. I make everything beautiful in its time. Praise the Lord, somebody. I am God. The one you're following is God. The one that has saved you is God. And we've learned here that the Bible says you have not chosen me. But I have what? Chosen you and ordained you. So he started with you. And before he started with you, he looked and he finished with you. That's why the Bible says he who has begun the good work in you will be what? Faithful to perform it until the very end. That's Jesus speaking. That's the spirit of God. So the work he has started in me, it doesn't matter what I see. I know his hand is on me. And he didn't have to. My father and mother didn't say to Jesus, okay, okay, carry this one. You know where I come from? You know, when a relative is wealthy and uh, the other relations are not that um, comfortable, after Christmas, they will assign to you some of your nephews and nieces. That's not how they gave me to Jesus. Is somebody hearing me? Jesus chose me. Jesus chose you. And when he chose you, the Bible says that there are good works prepared beforehand that he ordained for you to work in. He expects you to have joy per second. No matter what is happening in Nigeria, no matter what's happening in your office, no matter what is happening in your home. I'll try and be using a lot of personal things here because I'm talking to myself. If I don't have it, I should immediately treat it like a sickness. It's not something to boast about. It's not something to say uh, about nobody. I don't need a nobody to address me. I am sick. That's why we read, you know, David. David said of himself, he says, why are you downcast, oh my soul? He said, well, come on, put your hope in God. He didn't go to the wife and blame her for the food she cooked that wasn't nice. He didn't turn around and look for somebody that caused his, you know, joy to go. No, he said, David, David, get up. Put your hope in God. Put your confidence in God. Brethren, <laughs> I want to ask you a few questions. Like I said, it's a conversation we're having today. You know, many Christians, many of us, when we're, you know, downcast, you know, depressed, dampened, you know, not as happy, not as joyful. When you ask us, we will tell you, uh, well, you know, I have financial challenges, you know, I have this uh, situation, I have that situation, you know, and all of that. Yes, that's what we say. But I want to ask us a question. Anybody here who has a bit of understanding of no statistics will know that economic depression or poverty or hardship in an area has never adversely affected consumption of alcohol and drugs. Nigeria has become the poorest it has ever been. But alcohol and drunk consumption is the highest. You know why? The normal man, the normal human being does not negotiate feeling 
they deal with it. That's how come you see a man, he will earn not enough money to take care of his wife. And he knows the wife will be waiting month end to collect chop money. And the man thinks about the problem the wife is going to give him. Instead of on his way, working to add to the money, he will stop and drink half of the money. You know what he's saying? He's saying that his happiness is not negotiable. Do you understand? He's not saying, I gave her 25,000 the last time. It wasn't enough. This time, let me go and give her 27. The man takes the 25 and drinks into it and goes back home like this. <laughs> Papa Emeka, you're stupid. Say, I know. <laughs> Getting high. The world has never compromised on it. Now, the Bible is so clear. It says, do not be drunk with wine, but rather what? Be ye filled with the Holy Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipated, but rather be filled. For the worldlings, for the people of the world, they get drunk with wine. They don't toy with it. But you allow yourself to be downcast until money comes. The unbeliever does not wait till money comes. He shacks up. He takes it to a higher level until money comes. You know? And the way the enemy has made it, the way the world is, is this. Like Mwike now. Mwike's whiskey is about 10 million naira per bottle. So depending on how he drinks. And on that, his 10 million whiskey, you know, he gets drunk. Now, the devil is such an equal opportunity destroyer. That you don't have to have 10 million to destroy yourself. He has ogogoro that you can buy 50 naira for bottle. It will shake you like Mwike. You will be as drunk as he guarantees you. With 50 naira, (laughs) he will get you as drunk as Mwike. Because happiness in the world is not negotiable. Where they drink is some people go into bars, exotic bars. Exclusive bars, air conditioned, you know, finely finished and all of that, just to get drunk. The devil has made sure also that if you don't have that type of money, every bus stop, there's a lady, you know, carrying it in a a basin. You can get drunk on the way. You don't need to pay for the lounge. Because the human being is more than what we measure. We are not measuring the correct thing. I'm going to show you a scripture. 2 Corinthians 8. Because you see, I'm tired of Christians making themselves sympathetic cases and playing into all kinds of deception. No, it's not true. We learned on Wednesday that the Christian who will be victorious is a Christian that will honor God, sanctify God, worship God, magnify God, whether he has a testimony or not. When your Christianity becomes that when God blesses me, I shout. When God blesses me, I jump. You are not born again. You don't know what Christianity is about. Because the blessing, he has blessed you already. It says God demonstrated his love to us. That while we are yes in us, what did Christ do? He died for us. The scripture we read in Isaiah 61 said, what did he do? He came to comfort those who mourn. He came to draw them out of darkness. When he also raised in Luke 24 that we read, he said that repentance and remission of sins shall be preached. That is the gospel. Let's see 2 Corinthians 8. Okay, thank you. One says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. What do we know? The grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Now, what was this grace? Read for me, everybody. That in a great trial of affliction, hold on now. So, 
what was the situation of these people? They were poor. And we learned that the Bible doesn't use words carelessly. They were not poor. They were deeply poor. Okay? They were in deep poverty. And then also, what happened? They were in great affliction. So they were not just poor. They were being persecuted. Okay? So it wasn't just they didn't have. There was also all kinds of things turned against them. Now, but in spite of that, what does the Bible say? The abundance of what? Their joy. It means that joy is not a measure of poverty or riches. Joy is not a measure of affliction or comfort. Joy, verse 1 told us, is the grace of God. And if I don't have it, I am sick. If I don't have it, it's not money I need. I need healing. Touch me one more time. Oh, Lord. If I don't have it, if I sense myself not being, just thinking about the Lord and being excited. For the Christian, I'm not talking to unbelievers. Because you see some people, I I don't feel like going to church. And the reason they don't feel like going to church is because the week was disappointing. So I don't feel like, you can see the weight on them. I don't feel like, as if if you go to church, Jesus will say hallelujah. No, it's a grace. It means you're healthy. The grace of God, it means you're healthy. You, you don't have to have a husband. You don't have to have a child. You just have to have Jesus. Thank God for the old school people that sang, as long as I got King Jesus, I don't need what? Nobody else. That's Christianity. Let me tell you, a lot of the things we're doing now is not Christianity. It's survival. You know, we're making a way. We're finding ways. Intelligent ways. Somebody was reading that if you're attending a church and they're not giving you, you're not finding businesses in that church. Contacts. He said, find another church. You see him? Networking. We mentioned on Wednesday that they're also teaching you that don't be friends with anybody that is not bigger than you. Who will now be friends with these small ones like us? Do you understand what they're talking about? Whereas Bible says iron sharpens iron. But now they said iron must find uh, silver. If your iron find gold, though. <laughs> Do you understand? Can we look at that in message for verse 2? It says fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. They were incredibly what? Though desperately what? Now, what happened? He said the pressure triggered something totally unexpected. What did this pressure bring? An outpouring. He said, listen to me. If you're a Christian and you're not a wonder, you have not started. Are you with me? I'm working on it. I want to be a one. I want it to be that I come. I don't know how to whistle, but I come into the house and I'm whistling. And my wife thinks that, you know, maybe what is the beautiful thing that has happened? And it may just be that, you know, the tailor spoiled my cloth and I'm whistling. (whistles) Don't worry. Be happy. If you're not able to do that, it's not Christianity. I get what I'm saying. If everything that happens immediately tells on you, then the grace is not enough. Listen, we have gotten into a faith where the master says, if they slap you on the right cheek, what should you do? Turn the other one. That's the faith we belong to. We have gotten into a faith where they say, if a man should ask you for your coat, he said, don't just refuse. He said, give him also your inner way. We have gotten into a faith where they say, if they ask you to go for a mile, they compel you to go for a mile, what should you do? Do you know what that would do to your life? You'll become a wonder. The devil can't track you. 
Because he sends things here and there. You know, the Bible says that the things which are written, we are written for our what? Examples and for our admonition upon whom the ends of the earth will come. The story of Joseph, um, David and Daniel and the rest of them, we can't pick enough from it. Do you know that the adversary Joseph had, it was Satan himself that was rising against him. But he didn't fight Satan by saying, fall and die, fall and die. You know how he fought Satan? He fought Satan with the fruit of the spirit. He fought Satan with Christianity, with being born again. Listen, I've told us here, Joseph was an Ajabota. For those who come from families where there are multiple wives, you know what happens when you're the only son from the favorable wife. When they cook meat and they put one for the other seven to share, they put seven for only you to eat. Joseph was an Ajabota. That's how he grew up. I bet you Joseph in his house didn't do anything. His brothers went to keep sheep. Where was he? He was lounging. Probably sipping pan wine with his father. From there, bam, they sell him as a slave. He finds himself as a slave. He was not always in one corner crying. I've never washed before. I've never scrubbed the floor. Joseph took it upon him. Received an anointing. And so scrubbed the floor. And so washed the house. So served as a slave in Potiphar's house, that he became an award-winning slave. That's the anointing you and I need. You know, the average Christian doesn't want to receive anointing for service. He just wants to receive anointing to be master. They employ you in a place you haven't even served. You have not even come early and sat down and sat till the end of business. You're looking for breakthrough. Breaking first. Do you understand? Joseph entered there and took an anointing and served. The enemy will be wondering, is this Joseph? Is this Joseph? Why? Because that's what Christians do. We carry a grace. It is not us. It is the grace of God. Any situation we have found, we just diffuse the fragrance of Christ. We become a wonder. That's what it is. I don't know, maybe for the women, my wife may have told you the story of her own experience. Even, you know, with a family. She was in her house. She wasn't doing anything. Doesn't sweep, doesn't cook. My mother-in-law, up till, you know, a few years ago, she's over 19 now. When we go there, she'll get up and be cooking. I say, mommy, sit down. She just likes, you know, spoiling and all of that. That's how my wife, Ajabota, in her father's house, now went to stay with a sister. The sister turned her mouth like this. But God helped her because, I mean, that was for me because I'm the one enjoying it now. All the things she learned to do, you know. Don't marry an Ajabota. Marry someone who, who they... <laughs> Praise the Lord. If you're an Ajebota, please apply for a school in hardship. I'm telling you, it, it has helped her because do you understand? Joseph just found himself there. And he didn't go saying, No, I'm not used to this. You know, what's going on here? I can't understand. No, don't, don't touch me. He served that Potiphar noted him until he became the chief steward in Potiphar's house. That's how Christians grow. Is someone getting me? He abounded. The grace of God caused him to abound. They are afflicting you in that environment. They are discriminating against you in that environment. But you keep making yourself indispensable. They hate you. If they had their way, they won't invite you. But they hold the meeting without you. There is no solution. After three days, the boss will say, But have you asked this, uh, Mrs. So? They say, uh, They just call you. You smile and give them the solution. So you are giving them solution. They are angry with you. Do you understand? That's what we carry. It was a, a Reverend Chichi that was telling us that the husband said, keep quiet. That's what you're there for. We have an anointing. Listen, 
Jesus said to the disciples after, he said, you are who? My witnesses. You're a witness. You're not witness to yourself. Do you know that? I'm not a witness to myself. You're not a witness to yourself. We are witnesses to Jesus. And it's where he sent you that you're going to witness for him. I asked the question, right? We're done with the drug one and alcohol and the, you know, everybody wanting a state of happiness. Let me ask you another one. That, you know, for those online, God bless you. I love you. I appreciate you. This second question goes this way. He said, why hasn't nightlife, unquote, clubs, bars, entertainment joints, all of them, experience, why haven't they experienced low attendance after COVID with customers and participants following online? All the shocking joints, all the nightclubs, why are people not zooming? Put the thing on Zoom. And he said, no, I, I went to the nightclub online. I went to the bar online. <laughs> Where it's impossible, where there is no way, it becomes reasonable. But when you drive past and drive to all kinds of places, then when it comes to church, that's when you want to sit in your PJs and press a phone and be watching. Just ask yourself, why aren't the people of the world doing what they do online? The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some. Even as you see the day, what? The nearer the day comes, the more the enemy will fight. He will tell you what's the point. Follow online. Online that you'll be following. While you're following, a phone call will come. He say, ah, hey, hey, I was even following, you know, on church online. Then you gist and gist and gist. And then more so, the people online, I hope you give offerings. Do you understand? Why don't we ask ourselves those questions? Why aren't people just, you know, laid back in entertainment? During COVID, government was forcing people not to go to those entertainment joints. Where were people doing? They were forcing themselves to go. They were even operating illegally and people were going. But church, they were begging people. Because we don't understand what is at stake. Brethren, I can't emphasize this enough. We are a different breed. Our king is coming. You know the way we are talking about the disciples now. And saying how could they have forgotten that Jesus said he'll be crucified, buried and on the third day rose again. That's what people will be telling themselves after rapture. You will not be there. We won't be there in the name of Jesus. But that's what people will be saying. He said I'm coming soon. Isn't that what he said? So how can you backslide? How shouldn't you be pushing on? Why shouldn't there be a rush? Do you understand? For the things of God. I don't understand. I'm not a woman. It's men actually that understand. It's that I don't understand. I'm a man. Brothers and sisters. If I were not born again, I know what I'll be pursuing. But I'm born again. So I know what I'm pursuing. You that you're born again, what are you pursuing? Do you understand what I'm... What are you doing with your life if you're not pouring it out for him? In gratitude, in devotion. The other day we're thinking, how do we reach sinners? How do we win them over? That's what you should be thinking. If this Christ has really saved you and you understand what happened, praise the Lord somebody. Lord have mercy on us. Listen, when you hear repentance, eh? because it's coming from God, it's so, you know, you repent and God forgives you, repent and God One of the parables, our Lord Jesus Christ teaching us on forgiveness and repentance. He told us that a man was owing his master a large sum of money, running in converted, maybe billions of dollars. And the master said, pay. And he couldn't pay, right? And he pleaded. The master said, throw him in jail. 
And the man pleaded, and the master forgave him. Right? And this man went out and then saw a fellow servant who was owing him like maybe 200,000 naira. And what did he do? He held him and said, you must pay. And the man begged him as well and said, please, I don't have the money to pay. Can you please forgive me? Did he agree? He took that servant and put in jail. You know why? He did that because 200,000 to him was a lot of money. Are you following? Now that someone says, I repent and God forgives. It's because you don't know what it costs God to forgive you. How you know is when somebody really offends you. Someone listening to me now. The thing that is making you so angry about that person is 20 compared to the billions God forgave you. But you see, the one you're doing to God is not touching. You say, ah, Lord, please forgive me. Lord. So I'm even repenting in advance. Lord, as I'm going, please forgive me as I go to do this. You know, that, that's what it is to you. But for every sin, there is a payment. The same way you feel, you know, some people, you're, you're trying to persuade some people to forgive another person. And they say, I hear you. But why, why did they do that? If God sits down and says, why did you do your own? The why will be so long. Why? Because no matter what any person does to you, is it your fellow human beings? I've said it here. No matter how right you might be in a situation, because we are flawed men, because we carry the nature of sin, we are never 100% right. Even though the other party may be wrong. Are you with me? But with God, God is what? Always to infinity right. So, God is deserving of no wrongdoing. There's no reason we should offend God. But we do it. We keep doing it. And we keep asking him. And he keeps forgiving us. So, because it's like that. So, to you, repentance is just, I repent. And God forgives me. It costs. And if you don't take it well today, God will expose you to the price of repentance. Somebody will say, I don't want that, right? Because God will allow things to happen and then they'll say forgive. Say no. Pastor, no, no, don't tell me to forgive. Don't allow it to come. Appreciate the mercy God is showing you. Don't let God teach you that lesson. Is someone hearing me? Don't let God teach you. So those are the things you understand. And you begin to see that I have reasons to be joyful. I have reasons for gratitude. I must not be found in a state of sadness or despair or depression for whatever reason how can gloom come upon me when jesus christ is my lord when he's coming for me when he has said to me i will never leave you nor forsake you habakkuk 3 17 to 19 let's look at it it says though the fig tree may not blossom nor fruit beyond the vines though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. It says, yet, what will I do? I will rejoice in the, I can't hear you. I will, I will joy in the God of my, that is where our joy is. The God of my salvation. He went on and said in verse 19, what it is. He said, the Lord God is my strength. The Lord God is my strength. The Lord God is my strength. If the Lord God is my strength, then I can't be weak. He will make my feet like their feet. And he will make me 
walk on my high heels. This is what gives me joy. Because my strength is not mine. I may be down in the pit. But the Lord God is my God. The Lord God is my source. The Lord God is my glory. The Lord God is the lifter of my head. The Lord God is my defense. Are you getting what I'm saying? So they speak everything and they are right. But the Lord God speaks his own. And all the people who were right begin to walk away. That's what happened with the woman that was caught in adultery. Was she caught in the act? Yes. Everything was right. But because Jesus was there, what happened? He made a statement and her accusers couldn't be found again. That's what happened. He says, though all these things are true, he says, yet I will rejoice. Why? Because that joy is a natural outflow of having God with you. That's what Christians have. Now, this flows into, you know, the other very important aspect of this flows immediately into service and devotion and worship. I've said it in passing here. I don't know why anybody who is a Christian. Now, I'm not saying that you come and be a pastor, okay? Or you come and start singing in the choir. But you cannot truly be born again and not be asking, how may I serve this God? It's not possible. Are you tired of hearing my wife and my story? When I first met my wife, the very first day I met her, it was in the morning. She was going to enter a company bus to go to work. So uh, I saw her and I gave her a ride in my Mercedes Benz. <laughs> and, you know, from bus to AC cooling, music playing. So as I was driving, I just do that normally. I just check how people are. So I just asked her, is the, is the music too loud? She, she said, no, it's okay, it's okay. Ah. I said, this one correct. <laughs> now, at that point, without telling her, I decided you will never enter transport in Lagos. In fact, she closed. I hadn't closed. I sent driver to pick her. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because I was delighted in her, I said I will serve her. She said she wants to go somewhere. I'll come pick her. I get what I'm saying. Because I delighted in her, from that day, I became her servant. I want to go, I'm there. I'm coming, I'm there to pick her. I want to go and do this. I said, take money. And she wasn't taking money then, but she's taking now. I said, what are your plans for Saturday? She said she's going shopping. When she said shopping, I thought she was going to buy clothes and other. I didn't know she was going to buy Onubu and vegetable. So, you know. As a servant, a new servant, I said, take money. She said, no, that one caught me too. Anyway, but what I'm trying to say is this. You can't delight without serving. You're deceiving yourself. You can't delight in God without asking God, how will I worship you? You can't. You see, you can't control joy. I'm friends with quite a, a number of us here now. And some of us rarely post anything. You know, we don't post a lot on, on social media. But when our team wins, you say, hooray, man, you, forward. What happened? Do you understand? Hooray, uh, I said it, the gunners. Do you understand? What has happened is that your joy has overflowed to witness. Now, if you delight in the Lord, you will win souls. Uh, Mommy Chia and I, we'll go and eat in a place. If we enjoy the food, that restaurant has gotten free advice. That's how we'll be announcing to everybody. Uh, have you eaten this, uh, this people's this? Have you eaten once you delight in something, you don't need to be paid to advertise it. I'm trying to tell us that we are sick, not just you. 
that we are not preaching the gospel is not that we don't know what to say. Is that we've not become, you know, intoxicated with the joy. Should I continue to tell you about Momichi? So, after that time, when I sit with my friends, I just say, there's this babe, man. And unfortunately, then we didn't have phones to take pictures. So, all I'll just be saying, you need to, you need to. So, we'll arrange. Maybe when she'll say, come, then we'll just pass. She'll say, see her. If you fall in love with Jesus, you will tell people about him. You will announce him. You will witness to him. You can't keep quiet. So nobody should leave church today bad about what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we need treatment. We need doctor. Doctor, I have engine fatigue. Remember that advert? <laughs> Do you understand? We need help. Because what can make you to have this Jesus? The Bible says the disciples, they went back. With great joy. They were continually in the temple. Praising and blessing God. Brethren, why is it that coming to church, you drag your feet? The house of God. I'm sick now. What did the psalmist say? The psalmist said, I was glad when they said to me, what? Let us go. We have not gone, no. They just said, let us go. And I'm dancing. It's like a little child. For those who have young children. Okay, we're going to KFC. You haven't gone. But they're already dancing. This morning, when my alarm that woke me up went off, I wished I could just tell Momichi, please, Momichi, can you go to that church and preach today? Because this sleep hasn't started. I was turning to change another position, and I heard the alarm. I thought there was something wrong with the alarm. I didn't want to get up, okay? You know, but while I was praying this morning also, the Lord said to me, those days that you travel with BA and you're going on vacation, when the alarm wakes you up like that, do you need, want somebody to wake up on your behalf? You jump up, right? Why? Because this is what you love to do. We are sick. That they force you to come to the house of God. That means the nature of the father is not in you. Because if the nature is in you, you will gravitate towards the father. If the nature is formed in you, you will thirst after the father. David was a perfect example. You know, David was king. David was all of that. But when he sinned and God was going to punish him, he didn't say to God, just like Saul said. He didn't say, you know, Saul said, I've sinned yet. Honor me before my people. You know, these are my people. Just God, just honor me before these people, even though I've sinned. David didn't say that. David said, please take not your Holy Spirit from me. He said, restore unto me. The joy of you. That, that's what he was longing after. Because David knew what it was to be sick. He knew. He, he knew what it was to be more excited attending a business meeting at Hilton than coming to fellowship with the brethren. He knew what it was. Now, brethren, please, just smile for me, please. Smile for the camera. David was showing us a status necessary to be ready for the rapture. That's where I'm going to. You know, I'm an end-time preacher. This is it because we don't want to meet and be analyzing. God forbid. How did we miss it? We will not miss it in Jesus' name. But we have to be healthy. We have to be healthy. It's a sign of ill health that Christians don't want to come to church. The church is doing Sunday school. You're not interested. But any fake gist that comes on social media, you will read. Read it up. Read it down. Read it sideways. Share. Then after you have shared, you call the person. Have you read it? Have you read your Bible like that? Jesus said, blessed 
are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness? The Bible speaking, I think it was Jeremiah that said, it said your word was found and I did eat it. And he said your word was to me the joy and the rejoicing of my soul. Jeremiah 15, 16, please put it for me. Science, science that a lot of you, a lot of us are here. Please forgive. A lot of us are here. And then there are needs in the house, in God's house, not in pastor's house. I must tell you what somebody said recently because he's going to help some people. You know, Momchi was telling somebody how in my, in my, amongst my brethren, that they are all richer than her husband, than me. And the person said, how, how can, how can they be richer than your husband? Is your husband not the owner of this building? I say, see wahala. So some people actually think that I own this building. No, I work here. If you left me, I won't come. You know, if, if God freed, do you understand? How can you think that? This is your house. This is your house. Are you hearing me? This is your father's house. It's not, no, I come here to work. I come here to serve God. Praise the Lord. What happens here is just that it gives me more headache than you. On Wednesday, one of our uh, ACs blew. Headache. This, they bring this bill. Headache. In fact, who is sitting down now? Are you sweating? Some of you even cross leg. Some of you have dozed off. How can it be my heart? God, my heart is beating. I'm almost fainting. When I go to my house, my house doesn't beat. When I go home, I go to eat and relax. This is not, no. This is your house. Praise the Lord. So that we are all here and there are needs in the house and they have to be announcing about money every day. Why should they be announcing about money in your father's house and you say you love him? And every day you say, you're my treasure, my priority. He's not your treasure. Stop lying. He's not your treasure. He isn't your treasure. He's not that important to you. It's a simple manifestation. Check it. One of the things that, you know, uh, crime, crime investigation, is that they track money. Some of us, if they track your money, they will never associate you with the Father's church. Because the type of money you give to the Father's church, when they look at it, they say nothing is happening there. But when they check with the cars you buy and the money you spend on other things, they will go there. They won't come here. Or the houses you build. They will see all of that. But they won't see. But if they ask you, you say, ah, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. And I lift my empty hands. And I worship. You're not. You don't mean it. Brothers and sisters, I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to you. The kingdom is like a man who found treasure. Has this thing become real to you? We want to pray. Do you understand? I can't teach this thing because I'm there as well. And I interrogate myself. Sometimes something will happen. And then I'll, I'll ask myself, ah, Ikena, you're so happy about this thing. Are you as happy? You know, like the Bible says something. It says there's more rejoicing in heaven. Over one sinner that repairs them, 99 that need no repentance. You know? And I take note of that. Then something happens and I'm so happy. And then I immediately I'm, I'm confronted and I want to check. Okay, when a soul is one or when this, are you as happy? But you know, if we check that, we will find out that we're not doing it. We're not really doing it. The things that make us happy, unfortunately, are the same and equal to the same of the ones that make the unbeliever happy. That's where we are. That's where we are. But that's not where we should be. Somebody say, I'm going higher. Somebody say, I'm going higher. I'm going higher. Yes. Psalm 137, 4 to 6. This is uh, for those who know Bonnie M. This is where he sang the song from. 
How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Okay. He said, if I forget your Jerusalem, he said, let my right hand forget the skill. Now, six is where I'm going. He says, if I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. He says, if I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. He said, if your house is not my priority, if I sing, if you read the entire psalm, they were slaves and they were compelled. They said, come, come and make us happy. And the Jews said, how can we make you happy? How can we sing, sing you happy? How can we sing the lost song in a strange life? We're in captivity. We have no right for celebration and rejoicing. No, our hearts are set on pilgrimage. We want to be in Jerusalem. That's where we want to be. That's what they were saying in this psalm. Please give us the NLT. I want to pick something from that verse 6. So they were saying we can't do that. So the psalmist was invoking something. He said, he said, may my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I fail to remember you. If I don't make Jerusalem my what? Greatest joy. It's joy we're talking about. I've said this before. I'm saying, I'm not talking to you really. I'm talking to us, but to me in particular. I want loving the Lord. I want to love to love the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't want anybody pushing me. You know, there was a time at some point when we were doing workers training in when we were young Christians. They had people, you know, that would take notes of those who come early, you know, sometimes punish people even for coming later and all kinds of things to compel and enable service, which is good discipline at a stage in our lives. But you see, I know the things I'm excited about. You know the things you're excited about. You know the things that you need no reminder. What we're learning today is that that should be the things of God. If it's not, there's a problem. It's a sign. Let's rise on our feet. We're going to pray for healing. Amen? Why is important is this? You know? You you might listen to this and you, you think that telling you how to make somebody happy. No. It's for you. Isaiah 12, please. Verse 3. Read it for me, everybody. It says, therefore... You know what that passage is saying? The wells of salvation are there. It's right with you there. It's with you. The wells of salvation. You have it. But the bucket with which you will draw is joy. If you put that in very plain language, with buckets you will draw what? From the wells of water. No, what I'm saying is understanding it in plain language. So there's a well, there's water, you're thirsty. But you don't have a bucket. That's where we've been. You know, I've learned by experience for some of us. When you're go- passing through difficulties, keeping a sad face can bring you the sympathy of man, but it can never bring the intervention of God. They might know how you're feeling, but they can't help. It's God that sends help. Sometimes you just, you're laughing and rejoicing. God says, go and bless this brother. Not because of the face you kept. Why? Because with joy. It didn't say with sadness. The king at Asex said, you have never been sad in my presence. Because it doesn't work. I'm king. I want to tell you, with as much love I can tell you, there is nothing your God can do for you. In fact, I didn't even say it well. There is nothing he has not already done for you. He loves you. He saved you. It says, no good thing will he what? Withhold from him who walks upright. What's it? it says, joy. 
come to him with joy. Sit at his feet. Love him. The Bible says, brethren, it said, delight yourself where? And what will happen? He will give you. He will give you. Delight yourself. You know, fall in love with him. Occupy yourself. Ask yourself, why can't I sit down and listen to a sermon? Why can't I sit down and read my Bible? Why can't I sit down and fellowship with God? Why can't I do? Why can I sit down and watch Telemundo or watch movie or watch this? Three hours, nothing happened. But when it comes to the things of God, how can I go midweek? You know, uh, my friend is doing party here. They are doing this thing here. I travel and I go. But once it concerns God, it's as though they put a heavy weight on me. And yet it's God that will bless. Delight. So this morning, I want us to talk to the Lord. Lord, I'm sick. Heal me. The psalmist said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. It's joy. Salvation works with joy. It's the first step. You are saved. You have to have joy. Ah, you have to have joy. I don't have joy. It's incomplete transaction. Lord, please restore to me. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I want to love you. I want to love to sing your praises. There's a song that says, I love to be in your presence with your people singing praise. I love to love you, Lord. I love to be in your house. I love to read your word. I love to obey you. I love to tell of you. We learned last week that when the people who love the Lord spoke to one another, he said a book of remembrance was opened to them. I love to be with fellow Christians. I love to be where we are exhorting ourselves, challenging ourselves, encouraging ourselves. Lord, today I come and I say, touch me. Revive me, O Lord. Heal me. Wake me up, O Lord. Heal my soul. This should be my state delighting myself in the Lord so that I can draw out of the wells of salvation. Talk to the Lord. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.com. God bless you.